Hey, it's Alan Berg. Are you coming to Wedding MBA this year? Well, I'll be there again. I haven't missed one since the first one in 2007. So I look forward to seeing you there. And if you want to save $20 off the current ticket price and they get higher as you get closer, go to WeddingMBA.com. Use the promo code Alan, A-L-A-N. WeddingMBA.com, promo code Alan, save $20. I look forward to seeing you there. Before we get into this episode, I'm starting something called Ask Me Anything. That's right. You submit your questions and they could become an entire episode or something that I answer at the end of an episode. To submit your questions, look for the red button at podcast.allenberg.com. That's right, podcast.allenberg.com. Click on the red button, submit your question, and maybe you'll hear it here on the podcast. Thanks. Intellectual property for wedding and event professionals? Yeah, you need to know about it. Listen to this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Wedding Business Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Berg. I'm a speaker, author, sales trainer, website reviewer, and I help businesses like yours sell more, profit more, and have more fun doing it. Enjoy this episode. Hi, it's Alan Berg. Welcome back to another episode of the Wedding Business Solutions Podcast. I am so happy to have on Nikosha Anderson to talk about intellectual property. How you doing, Nikosha? I am doing well, Alan. How are you today? I am doing great. Yeah, this is something that when when this was brought to me by a mutual friend who is Georgia D. Francisco. Shout out to Georgia over there. Um, Georgia brought it. I was like, you know what? This is something that I I've thought about in the past because my part of my history is I was at the Knot. I was vice president of, of sales at the Knot. So we think we thought about stuff like that. I've published wedding magazines. I've published books. So I think about intellectual property as a speaker, as an author, things like that. But wedding and event professionals have intellectual property, but half the people listening are like, what are they talking about? (laughs) And And how does this affect me? So what kind of intellectual property? Well, first of all, give us a little bit about your background real quick. Oh, real quick, real cliff note version. So I am an intellectual property and business attorney. So I tackle things from that angle and people hire me when they want to secure their income producing assets to make sure that they are not robbed of what's rightfully theirs. So when you think of intellectual property, I want you to think of not just tangible things, but intangible things. I want you to think about your brand logo. I want you to think about your signature package. I want you to think about your signature way you deliver your photography. All of those things are intellectual property that makes your business run. We are mainly service-based business. That means we are providing a service to individuals. So when we are in that lens, we definitely have IP because our business runs on our intellect. It runs on the things that we create in our mind and we physically make tangible. So when you are, I'm a wedding planner, that don't apply to me. Actually, it does. And we're going to dive a little bit more into it. So uh, we have... Many, many people listening in from people that have very tangible things like buildings with big signs outside and trucks with with their their stuff on it. Everybody's got a website. So that's a it's kind of a tangible intangible, right? We can't touch it, but it feels more like a tangible thing than than my creation as a um, florist who's created a centerpiece. Yes. And that that centerpiece is your intellectual property. Right. So, you know, what's to stop somebody from seeing that picture and copying it? 
a copy of federal copyright, maybe that's an intellectual property. So what people, they think big when they think of IP protection, they think, Nikosha, I need to go get a federal registration and uh, copyright. I need to go get a trademark or is it eligible for a patent? What is that? So one of the key things I want people to, is to zoom out a little bit. One of the key things that before we dive any bit into the land of IP, I want you all to do what I call uh, inventory. Most of you have warehouses and you know where this particular asset is or this particular vase or this particular uh, sofa. If you do setups and things of that nature, do the same thing with the assets in your business. Do a log where it's like we created our website on this day. Okay, well, maybe your website is eligible for copyright protection. Did you think about that? Because there are new people entering the space and they look to the people that are superior in the space and they may do what we call air quote copy. But what if they start copying it to the point where people are coming to you and like, hey, I went to your website and you're like, my website is down. What are you talking about? And they show you a website from a competitor. How would that make you feel when your traffic to your business starts getting diverted? That's when we call some real IP issues going on. It's to the point where the consumer doesn't know the source of the goods. So that's where IP really comes in. It protects the source of goods or services. So you want the consuming public to make sure they understand when they come to you, they know exactly what they're going to get. They can trust it. They can see, feel, touch, taste it. Come on, Baker. And one of these things, it's 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 invaluable to your business because depending on what your goal is for your business, there are some people who want to scale to sale. There are some people who want to just maintain it um, and not, you know, have generational uh, legacy. They don't want to leave it to someone. They just want to maintain what it is. But if you are definitely in the lens of I want to sell my business, of course, I know that's what I want to do. Well, investors or people who are coming to purchase your business want to make sure that you have monthly recurring revenue and you have a brand that is worth protecting. Because why would I buy into your business if Tom, Dick and Harry can do it? Right. Right. So the uh, and that's the goodwill. A lot of times people are talking about goodwill. So uh, you mentioned a couple of things there. You talked about trademark, you talked about copyright, you talked about patent. Yes. Right. So so for those of us that did not go to law school, the difference okay. between a trademark, a copy, well, we actually could say a service mark, a trademark, a copyright, and a patent, if I, I can geek out just a little bit there. You definitely geeked out. You see, I perked up like, oh, we going there? We can go there. You want to go there? We can go there, honey. Yeah, let's go there. All right. So this isn't my analogy. It may not be right, but it tends to help people understand just a little bit better. I always like to think of a copyright as a house, right? And the copyright protects everything that's inside of a house. So the legal definition of a copyright is a protection for an author to and their source of their work. It protects the author's work in the entirety of the project. So when I think of that, I think of a house and I have home security, ADP, Vivint, whatever your brand of choice is, they protect your whole house. So a copyright will protect your entirety of your project. Now, when it comes to trademarking, trademarking is the source identifier for your good or service. It lets the consuming public, your audience, know that when they see that particular logo or phrase or colors, they know who the original like who is the author of that particular logo? Like they know the services or goods they provide. So when I equate that with a house, I think of an address, 
when you look at the address, you know exactly where it's going to take you. You know exactly where it is on the map and you know exactly what is there, right? So when you think of a copyright, think of a house. And when you think of a trademark, think of the address that leads you to the house. Okay. Okay. Now let's talk about patents. Patents are what they call a scientific or mechanical or a chemical invention of some sort. Usually the good thing that most people are related um, that can relate to a patent is a toilet paper holder. Toilet paper holder inside of your house, the mechanical aspect or invention, um, the faucet, the scissors or some type. It doesn't necessarily have to. I'm, I'm naming physical things, but it doesn't always have to be something physical. But those are just the most easy examples. Easiest. Is that the word? I don't know. <laughs> those are the most, most you know, relatable examples that I can think of when I tell people about patents. Um, formulas, the aspirin. Or as you know, recently we've all came in contact with patent work. If you got the vaccine for COVID, it's a patented uh, process. And right now we have companies that are battling out on who's the rightful owner of that particular solution. So those are the main levers of the IP world. Now you did talk about service marks. Service marks are things that indicate a particular service of a business. They may not be eligible for what we call trademark protection on the principal register, but they are eligible as source identifiers for your goods or service. The most common service mark that I can always think of is Target Photo. The next time you're in in Target or Target Optical, you may go up and see their logo and it'll say SM next to it. And that just means that it's a service mark for that particular brand. That means they're using it to advertise a particular service they have. So if you want to know which one you're eligible for, it's so important that you sit down with someone like me and we can do a deep dive. But the best way to help us do that deep dive is to do that inventory log to see what you have. Um, Most people think that, oh, Nikosha, it's just my business. It's just me. It's just my spouse. It's just my cousin, my mama, my cousin, sister, grandma, whoever. We don't really have anything. You do have it until someone takes it. You do have it until you start losing revenue. You do have it until you don't. And we want to get you in a position to where it is at the top of your mind because we live in a digital world. We live in a world where artificial intelligence and all these things are going at a rapid pace. So you need to put your flag in the ground and stake your claim as soon as possible because these tools are going to be able to help you. And yes, 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 the court system moves much slowly than we would like. (laughs) Yes, I cannot change that, my friends. I promise you, if I could, I would be a trillionaire. Like I'd be more than Elon Musk rich. (laughs) (laughs) But right now I have to deal with what I have, but I am so encouraging all business owners to do that intellectual property audit, determine what you have and see what you're eligible for because it can enhance your business. From my standpoint, Alan, I will always live with this. Most businesses that I see that protect their intellectual property, their growth weight, growth rate, goodness, I can talk today, (laughs) growth rate is much higher and their sustainability is much longer than those who don't because you are more invested in your business. You know, there there are so many people you've seen, the listeners have seen that come into this industry, gone here today, gone tomorrow. There is value in longevity. 
less protected. Right. right. Well, there are people that don't think of themselves as a business until they have to, when they get asked for their insurance certificate or things like that. So, all right, let, let's just geek out just a little bit more before we talk about the types okay. of things. Uh, so you uh, you see an SM next to some things. You see a TM next to some things. You see a, a C in a circle. You see an R in a circle. Yes. I think I've covered them. So uh, yes. we, you said SM. So what's the difference between TM trademark and an R in a circle? I love this question. I love this. It makes me happy. Like, can <laughs> I just stay here? You are. I love these questions. So a TM just signifies to uh, a, a user or an audience that your business is demonstrating that this is a trademark of your business. Okay. That does not mean that that symbol, slogan, color, or or however you're advertising is actually registered with the United States Patent and Trademark Office. In okay. order to use, in order to demonstrate to the public that you have a registered trademark, you get to use that registered R symbol. That means that you have a re federally registered trademark. Ma'am, sir, person, human being, please do not use that registered R symbol I don't care what your graphic artist told you. I don't care what your marketing person told you. Unless you have a federal registered trademark, you cannot use that R symbol. It is a crime. You will go to jail. You will go to the federales jail. Wow. You don't want to see the federales. No. I don't want you to see the federales. Don't use that R symbol. Oh, no, Kosha, they will never find out. They, who's going to know? Who's going to know? <laughs> they will find out because it's like little teeny tiny things that we think nobody's going to know. Who's going to know? Right. They find out because all it takes is for one person to go and search. And all of this is public knowledge at the USPTO.gov. You can go look and you can see if you actually are a rightful trademark owner, because get what happen is someone can actually register your mark, even though you're claiming that you're the registered owner, because it's not the first to create, it's the first to file with trademarks. Mm. And okay, so many people don't know that. All right. So let's talk about copyright then. Okay. The C. So, yes. So with the C symbol, you technically can use the C symbol. Um, and it just indicates to the audience that you are considering this copyrightable work. Does it mean that it is registered with the U.S. Copyright Office? No, it does not. So copyright is a little murky because technically you can use the C symbol if you are indicating that it is a copyright to your business or to you. Now, the thing with that is copyright immediately vests in the author of the work. It happens. It's like magic. It's like, you know, Cinderella story where you take the little fairy godmother, doo -doo 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 -doo, yeah. you know, right. it happens as soon as you, it's sort of like those magic words when people say I do. And now all of a sudden I'm responsible for you. Okay. It's, it's, it's very similar. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but when you do the federal registration of the copyrighted work, you get a little bit more rights. The government say we're going to strengthen you up a little bit. So that means that if you have that, then it is an automatic violation if someone uses your stuff okay. without your knowledge and you will be protected in all 50 states. Let me jump back a little bit. Trademark federally registered is protected in all 50 states. So even if you don't have a business in Utah and you're in New, Jer New Jersey, your trademark is still protected in Utah. That means no one can actually use it without your permission. So jumping back over in copyright land, um, if you get a federal registration and you find out that someone in Utah, shout out to all the Utah listeners, yeah. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but if someone in Utah is using your stuff, then it's what we call a statutory 
infringement and you could be eligible for more monies and attorney's fees because even if they say, oh, I didn't have notice, you registered with the U.S. Copyright Office, so there was automatic notice and there can amp up the fees. So there is value in registration. Right. But if you don't register, so like my books, my, my books are all published. They're all copyrighted books there. There's all mm -hmm. my six books conveniently over my shoulder. Hey, uh, hit that link. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so my books there are all copyrighted. Yes. And and we can prove when they were first published, going back to when they were first published. Yes. Uh, so obviously I can use that C in the circle. Yes. Um, and but if somebody in another state, we're not going to call out our friends in Utah and somebody no. in another state, somebody in Texas, <laughs> Come on, uh, Texas or Wisconsin, Wisconsin or New Jersey or, or whatever, but somebody that's out, outside of my state uses that. Mm -hmm. Am I protected? You are. So okay. you are the author of the work and you can yeah. declare when you first publish the work. Now, and it all goes down to damages when it comes to federal copyright registration. Your damages could be increased depending on how you register the work. You could register the work in a collective, which means that if it was in a collective, then if they only use one portion of what you registered, then your damages will be much smaller. But if you registered the collective and you registered that portion individually, then there is a possibility that your damage claim could be much higher because they technically infringed on two copyrights versus one. So these are all strategies and things, again, that a competent IP attorney can sit down with you and develop your IP protection strategy. Baby, we can go to the moon if you want to, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's, it just depends. But for most business owner, small business, just one registration, just one trademark. And um, one other IP protection tool that most people do forget is having a valid contract and written agreements. Oftentimes people go to the big boys, trademark, copyright, patent type things, and they forget about their little friend contract. Contracts are actually for your benefit and the people engaging with you benefit. It's like a Bible. It's basic right. instructions on how you're going to operate together. So right. let's not forget about that friend. Okay, so, but you're not talking about copywriting your contract. No, 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 okay. no, no. No, you're talking about no. just having just having a contract. Just having a contract. That's okay. the most easiest way people can get into some type of enforcement or protection strategy. Most right. people feel like I don't have the money, no quotia, to go and jump into those other things. What can I do? Let's get a contract. Yeah. Let's let's start, let's start let's there. Start, let's start with that. Okay, yeah. so now um, websites. Right. Website, mm -hmm. copyright website. It's on the bottom the of my copy. website. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now the question is, does it need to have, because I've seen both, the range of years since you first put a website up, or is it just is it okay to say copyright 2023? It's copy it's good to say copyright 2023. Some people do the range for style lists to get people on notice of when it began and where it okay. currently is. Um, there's no right or wrong way, but if you are designating to the audience that this is copyrightable work, you do need to say, hey, all rights reserved list the date of publication or the most recent publication and the name of your company. Those are the things that will kind of help you out. I see you taking notes here, Alan. <laughs> I, I don't know if mine says all rights reserved. <laughs> it's, it's, or you could just do the C symbol. I'd these have the are, C symbol. Yeah. These are all things that can indicate to a, a person that, hey, this is this person is considering this to be copyrighted work. That right. means I need to get their permission if I want to use it in any way. Okay. Which I do. It's funny because I do have that in my books. I didn't think about that phrasing. I don't know if it's there or not, but I will go look right after this. I'm going to, I'm going to go look at that. So, okay. So we've gone through some of the geeky stuff, some of the technical stuff mm -hmm. over there. 
Um, and uh, so let's say your logo is not um, trademarked. It would be trademarked. Yes, come on. Okay. Good okay. job. So it, it, it's not it's not registered. Yes. You don't have the TM symbol on it. Okay. Okay. Somebody copies your logo, right? What it, What is your recourse then with that? Because you didn't say trademark and you didn't go and register it. So then that puts us in what we call common law rights. So um, you technically would have to, you could defend against it and you are what we call defense and defense is always more costly. Yeah. So it's better to be on offense, it's less money. Mm-hmm. But if we're on defense um, and I would advise a client, um, my hypothetical client, I forgot to give this disclaimer, nothing here today is personalized legal advice. <laughs> and I highly recommend that you go out and seek an IP attorney that you of your choice. Okay, yes. jumping back. So with that said, um, what a recourse does a person have? They have what we call common law rights in the areas in which they were using the trademark. So let's say they say, hey, Alan, I was here first. And you'd be like, but I beat you to registration. Then the law carves out what we call common law usage in the areas that you were already using it. So you wouldn't get the protection in let's say outside of your home state, unless you can demonstrate that you had actual tangible customer base outside and then it would carve out limited jurisdiction. So that is why it's important to do the federal registration because even if you're not doing transactions there per se, you would get protection from the people in Texas, Utah, Wisconsin. (laughs) Okay, now uh, we do have some people listening outside the country. Okay. So we, what we're talking about is for U.S. Yes. Are are there similar things in Canada, in the U.K., in other Mexico and other places where people are listening in? Most definitely. Um, all those um, beautiful places um, do have intellectual property registration, especially in Canada, especially in Mexico. I deal with some. Um, uh, Australia. Australia. Definitely in Australia, because I did one for a client there. I remember contracting with an IP attorney over there. Um, You can definitely do uh, a WIPO registration, WIPO. Um, We call that an EU where it covers certain states that are a part, well, formerly a part of the EU. Britain has broken off with Brexit. So um, if you want to get UK protection, there's a certain way we have to do it now. Thank you, Brexit. (laughs) And so um, there are certain ways we can register in one country and then break you off and get protection. Um, registration in another country. It's just very strategic. This whole IP thing is very strategic because it can get very costly very quickly, right? Right. So we want to make sure that as people, I want worldwide protection. (laughs) Wait a minute now. What you mean? Are you really going to go global with your brand? Is it really worth this investment? Because you got, it's one thing to get it, right? You have to maintain it once you get it. And this is where usually people fall off. They'll come to me and say, hey, of course, I got a trademark. I'm straight, girl. I'm good. I'm going to be like, let's see. Right. Oh, you forgot to do your annual renewal with your uh, trademark. Guess all right. What? So let's let's so let's get into that there, because uh, <laughs> we, we I, we I have a feeling I'm going to have to cut us off at some point here. So okay. so um, let's say somebody wanted to register their logo. Yeah, federal register their logo. Yes. Uh, what is the process? Do they need an attorney to do that? And what's the cost? 
So technically, you don't need an attorney. If you're doing anything with the government, they have what they call, they have to make it accessible and easy for the general public to do it on their own if they so choose. But as we know with anything with the law, there is a lot of ups and downs and nuances and things that come with anything with the law. So it's highly recommended. And even the USPTO will tell you they recommend for you to seek out intellectual property counsel to help you register. So if you did want to do it on your own, you would go to USPTO.gov and you will follow the instructions there and pay the appropriate filing fee. Depending on the number of classes, because there are 45 classes um, and there are thousands of subclasses within the main classes, you would need to navigate where you fall. And that can be a little confusing as well. Um, so the average, uh, the filing fee right now for if you pick your classification from the manual is $250. If you want to come up with your own description or classification is $350. Okay. Um, and then if you do with a, a lawyer, your fees can range anywhere between a wide scope. Because this is not, um, it just depends on how many classes you want to go in, what if you want to register your word mark, your logo mark, your service mark, sky's the limit. So I don't want to okay. give a necessarily a price range because it varies. But, but just get, think. We, let, let's just say hundreds to many, many thousands. Yes. Okay. I like let's that just, range. Okay. Yes. Let's put just <laughs> so people have an idea. We're not talking tens. We're talking hundreds to four and five digits, I'm sure. Correct. There Very much. Okay. Yes. We will, we yes. will leave, leave that over there. Um, we also talked about uh, the conceptual things. So if somebody wanted to protect that centerpiece design or somebody wanted to protect their lighting setup, their particular lighting setup that they do or something mm-hmm. like that. How do you protect that? I mean, because it, it's 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 kind of ephemeral, like lighting is turned off the lights, they're gone, right? Right. It depends. Um, if it's an idea in your head, you cannot protect ideas. You need to transfix it to a permanent medium um, okay. if you want to be eligible for copyright. If there's a certain name and style of what you do and you teach it, then it could potentially be eligible for trademark protection if you're doing some type of educational or training or things. So it just kind of depends. That's why we sit down and we have a discussion about how you're using what you're using and how you intend to use it in the future. Okay. So um, what are the most common things that you see with people, like the people that are listening, that uh, people will uh, come to you and say, hey, somebody stole my what? (laughs) I'll say most times people will say, hey, this person took the name of my business, right? They took a portion of or they took a package name that is very signature to my brand, my business. If I give, um, let's call it the Allen Wedding Special XPO and this person goes the Bloomberg XPO and they're in the wedding industry. Most people know that if I get an XBO wedding, it it came from Allen. Right. What you talking about? That came right. from, but no, okay. here come Bloomberg trying to mess you up. So then right. you're going to come to me and say it's diverting business. And we're going to sit down and say this was intentional. And you would teach, show me with evidence of how this consumer came to you or this person came to you and said, hey, this is, I thought this was you. Right. If you, someone okay. comes to you and say, I thought this was you. Then you got some some pr- trouble on your hands, friend, because this is not the first person who saw it. Right. This is the first person that said something to you. Yeah, I I, I can think of some people listening that I know that uh, bi before the internet uh, <laughs> ha- ha- 
created their company name in their state and it was a good company name. And then the internet all of a sudden means that somebody searching can find somebody anywhere. And I can think of um, like a good friend of mine, Mike Walter, Elite Entertainment. There's also another friend, also Elite Entertainment in another state, maybe a slight difference, whatever. Wasn't a problem BI because they were doing business in their local areas. Yes. Then all of a sudden you go searching online and they all have these names, all been using them for a long time. Yes. Um, they're not necessarily being confused because of the location, right? Because they're, they're very, very far apart but it, it's pretty much the same names, right? So things like that. All right, so one more thing. Uh, this is a, a personal question. Okay. I understand you can't um, copyright or trademark a book title, correct? You can, you can trademark a book series. You cannot okay. trademark a singular book title. However, okay. there are other classifications that could be considered for the book outside of registering it if it's a single book are you having merchandise are you having other things that have the logo or phrasing or book title or some piece of the book then we may consider trademarking in that particular zone as it relates to copyright you can copyright the entirety of a book but understand it's the house it's not the address okay so it's protecting everything inside of the book not necessarily the name of the book what about the design of the cover? The design of the cover could be considered a different type of copyright protection because it's a design, not a right. literary literary work. Okay, <laughs> so I have Shut Up and Sell More Weddings and Events. Then I have the DJ Entertainment version, Photo Booth version. I have the Caterer Venue version. I could call those a series. If it's Shut Up and... Shut Blank. Up and Sell More Weddings and Events, and then it's DJ edition, yes. set up in some more events. Yes, if you have venue. more, exactly. If you have a ah. series of them, then it could be eligible for a trademark because it's a, it's not more, it's not just a singular copy of right. the book. Uh, it's, it's, it's different a version, mm -hmm. right? Different, different yes. versions in there. Okay. Yes. Sort All of right. like chicken soup for the, uh, the, soul. For the soul. Oh my gosh. There's, there's, there's 38 versions of that book. <laughs> yes. 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 yes, there yes. Are. Okay. So. Um, we're going to put it into the show notes anyway, but if somebody wanted to reach out to you to find out what kind of protections they need, or hopefully not is already running into a problem now with somebody causing some issues, how, where, where should they go to find you? You can open up your internet browser on Al Gore's internet and just type my name or copy it from the show notes, but it's Nikosha and I will be the first thing that comes up. I am the only one in the whole wide world. And then you could go to nequosha.com or you can go to my law firm, which is andersonlawflforflorida.com. But don't let this sway you because I do intellectual property law. I am covered to protect you in all 50 states. There we go. Well, thank you so much for geeking out with me and talking about something that's important that some people listening are very uneasy about right now. And some people are like, okay, I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now. So uh, thank you so much for joining me on this. I'm going to have you back to talk about another important subject, but I'm going to just tease it and leave people at that. So Nikosha, thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
Hi, it's Alan Berg. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Wedding Business Solutions Podcast. You can find full transcripts on my website at podcast.allenberg.com. And if you have a suggestion for a topic for a new episode or even a guest, please let me know at alan at weddingbusinesssolutions.com. And if you'd like to find out about having me come and speak to your association or a conference or do sales training in person or remotely for your team, whether you're a team of one or a team of a hundred, please let me know again, alan at weddingbusinesssolutions.com. Thanks for listening.